Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky show for this Thursday, January 4th starts now. Making her return to the Benny J show, organizer, activist, mom and vegan, Candace Castillo. The Ben Jarofsky Show is a presentation of the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago. If you want to know what to do, where to go, what to eat, what to drink, what's going on around the town, well, you might want to head to ChicagoReader.com. And if you want more Ben Jarofsky after this show's over, you can find it all at ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. That's J-O-R-A V is in victory. SKY. Hello again, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Trump Beal Thursday, and here's why. You go, Ben, where's your mind now? You're linking Donald John Trump, former president of the United States, to Anthony Beal, an alderman from the Ninth Ward. How can you do that? Well, I mean, you could do it on the basis that Anthony Beal was an ally of Ed Burke, the f- disgraced former alderman of the 14th Ward. Uh, who was convicted of felony charges of bribery last week. And Ed Burke was Trump's lawyer, property tax appeal lawyer. Okay, you could do it on that basis, but I'm not going down that path, okay? Although I may go back on that path if I want to, if I choose to, because we live in a country with freedom of speech. Well, okay, Claudine Gay doesn't have freedom of speech, but everybody else has freedom of speech. We'll get into Claudine Gay too as well. And the reason there's a connection between Anthony Beal and Donald John, John Trump, follow me this latest gentleman, is that Anthony Beal is not only the alderman of the Ninth Ward, he's a Democratic committeeman of the Ninth Ward. As we speak, he's a Democratic committeeman of the Ninth Ward. But according to my beloved bright one, home to live every day, Chicago Sun-Times, <laughs> he is about to be bounced off the ballot to run for re-election because he violated the election board, the Board of Election rules. And the Sun-Times headline is hilarious, man. Just follow me on there. Anthony Beale, come on now. Uh, so it says, here's the headline in the bright one. Beale says he couldn't care less about possibly losing longtime ward post. You couldn't care less about losing it and why'd you run for re-election? <laughs> if you couldn't care less, you wouldn't run for re-election. And in the article, Beale says, every other year you're spending 10000 to 15000 to help people get out the vote paying workers, feeding judges, transporting voters to the polls, and there's no return. There's nothing to it. It's not worth the headline. Well, headache, excuse me, it's not worth the headache. Well, if it's not worth the headache, why are you running for re-election? I'm just saying, you should quit. You should just say, I've had it. Can't take another day of this. Anyway, the reason why he's not running for re-election, apparently, is he couldn't muster enough legitimate signatures, valid signatures, I should say, uh, to get on the ballot. And this gets into what the connection to Donald John Trump. There are rules and regulations that govern who gets on the ballot. My distinguished guest uh, today, Candace Castillo, 
Uh, if she wanted to run for the Ninth Ward Committee, and I'm not saying she does, she doesn't even live in the Ninth Ward, she couldn't just say, I want to run for Ninth Ward Committeeman, and they would put her on the ballot. She would have to collect the signatures. She would have to establish that she lives in the ward. She would have to file some kind of economic disclosure statements, at least for Alderman, you have to do that. In other words, she would have to follow the rules. And so Anthony Beal, there's a board that oversees this, is about to get bounced from the ballot. Has he been bounced from the ballot? Um, I don't know if it's official yet, but he's about to be bounced from the ballot because he did not comply with the rules. Now, I don't see Anthony Beal, to his credit, crying about how he's being picked on. He's going in a different direction. I don't want this damn job anyway. All right, fine, whatever. But I don't see him crying about, oh, Oh, no, they're picking on me. Hoo, hoo, hoo. But with MAGA and Donnie Trump, it's a little different thing. We all know Donald Trump should not. We all know. We all know this is fact, should not be allowed to run for president because he led an insurrection. He violated his oath of office. It says it in the 14th Amendment. Conservative scholars were the one who pointed it out. I didn't know about this. I admit it. You people think, oh, Ben, you know everything. I didn't know this until a couple of conservative scholars wrote a scholarly law review article on the matter. Convinced me. I've been dealing with ballot access issues in the state of Illinois, the city of Chicago, for over 40 years. And this is clear, legitimate ballot access case. He's not following the rules. It stipulates it in the Constitution. Gone. See ya. Go back to whatever you were doing. <laughs> you can't run for president. And you know what? If you got MAGA people alone in a room and had and forced them, just, just, just be honest, MAGA. Just be honest and tell the truth. If he violates the Constitution, should he be allowed to run for president? And they say, well, off the record, Ben, they probably agree. But publicly, they are whining and crying, throwing a little hissy fit. Oh, they're picking on Donnie. Oh, they won't let him run. <laughs> oh, my. And then all the little Republican candidates, his, his opposition, the president, they're so afraid of MAGA. The Nikki Haley's of the world, the Ron DeSantis of the world, the other candidates running for president. They're so afraid of MAGA that even though it's to their political advantage to have Donald Trump kicked off the ballot, for violating the Constitution, which we all know he is, even though it's to their political advantage to have him off the ballot, even though they know that their entire future, their hopes for being president of the United States, which is their dream job, is linked to Donald Trump not being on the ballot, they're so afraid of MAGA that they won't join the effort to kick him off the ballot. They say he should be on the ballot. They say that it should be left to the voters to decide, even if he violates the rules and regulations. Hey, Nikki Haley, if it's up to the voters, guess what? MAGA's going to elect him, not you. So I think we missed a couple of things here, Ben. Wait, hold on. One last point before I, I turn things over to uh, Candace. I just want to say, Anthony Beal, at least you're not crying like Donald Trump. All right, without further uh, ado, Candace Castillo, uh, my dear friend, old friend, and um, political commentator, political strategist. Yeah, you were a political commentator. Don't act like confused back in the old days. I forget the name of the station, but you had a show with a guy named Brandon Johnson. Uh, Who is that guy? I don't uh, know. What is he doing now? Have you heard of him? I never heard of him. 
And uh, so anyway, welcome back to the show, Candace. Always good to see you. Uh, Happy New Year, Candace. Happy New Year. Uh, and let's hope it's a good one. And uh, all right, now weigh in with your thoughts. Go ahead. Let's let's take a couple of steps back, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason why old Donnie is getting kicked off the ballot goes to the 14th Amendment, Correct. which they put in place so they literally could not try to make Jefferson Davis president of the United <laughs> States. Yeah. Because he led an insurrection. But let's take it a step further, right? Mm-hmm. If the Civil War was about states' rights and about culture and way of life, according to what Nikki Haley thinks, <laughs> okay, yeah, then Jefferson Davis should have been able to run for president. Unfortunately, that is Republican thinking right now. That's a MAGA thinking to, to its core. Yeah. It's MAGA thinking to its core. And I'll take it even a step further. I have a friendly relationship with Anthony Bill. We don't agree on anything policy-wise. But even if Anthony Bill wanted to throw a temper tantrum about it, it wouldn't work. And he couldn't do it. Because he is not a rich white man in America. Period. Republican, Democrat, Black people go into the Dr. Claudine Gay situation, do not have the luxury of being able to whine about it. Oh, you're a sore loser and a baby. Well, okay. Wow. You now uh, introduced the topic of uh, MAGA's attitude towards slavery and uh, to the Civil War, which I'm always ready to discuss. And we talked about it uh, already on the show several times. And that uh, what uh, Candace is alluding to is to the way Nikki Haley, who's supposedly the moderate, <laughs> I'm just saying, but she's supposedly the moderate in this race. Uh, way she answered a question regarding the, the cause of the Civil War, where she uh, somehow or other managed to miss mentioning slavery. The cornerstone speech uh, that defined the Confederacy by the vice president of the Confederacy stipulates clearly that the Civil War, that insurrection was all about preserving the rights for slavery because the Southern insurrectionists did not believe and I'm just saying what's in the cornerstone speech, Candace, that quote unquote Negroes were on equal footing with white people. Well, that is the cornerstone that. of their, their insurrection. Go ahead. It goes, it goes further than that. Literally, the state she was governor of South Carolina, in its first line about why they're leaving a the union, had to deal with slavery. But more than that, it has to deal with this whole idea. It is good for everybody except for us. That law is good for everybody except for MAGA or rich white men of the establishment. Yeah. That that's what it goes into. It's that psyche. Yeah. Right? It's that it's that psyche that's produced so many of the ills of our society of but it's good for me. So Donald John Trump not being on a ballot in states, he, it, it, to me, 
It makes perfect sense why. And we aren't even talking about the emoluments clause because he violated all of it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, there was. A, you alerted me to that story. I read it dutifully. Uh, Candace tells me what I read, and I go read it, uh, about Donald Trump and his family and how much money they made off his presidency. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go back uh, to whether he should be uh, eligible to run against. It, five citizens in Illinois have filed suit to kick him off the ballot. As soon as Trump, uh, sub, the Trump campaign submitted his signatures to put him on the ballot for the primary, the March primary, uh, five citizens in Illinois uh, filed suit to have him uh, removed. So Illinois is now one of the states. This is breaking news. Shout out Dave McKinney, WBEZ ace reporter, uh, for coming up with that story. And I read it just before I went on the air. And it was just so perfect, uh, Candace, because you got Anthony Beal in the ninth ward being denied access to the ballot because he didn't break, uh, comply to all the rules, not crying about it. Uh, and then you have Donald Trump being a suit, alleging that he should not be given access uh, to the ballot because he violated the Constitution. So there we go, ladies and gentlemen. It's either the same rules for the Anthony Beals in the world as it is for the Donald Trumps in the world, or we're going to admit, as Candace uh, said, there's one set of rules for Democrats in Chicago particularly black Democrats and another set of rules for Donald Trump and MAGA is it, it don't you don't you see what I'm getting at here Candace they just blatant double standard at play it's a blatant double standard and we like to give excuses to MAGA even even just taking it going forward let's uh, the monuments clause how much Donald Trump and his family made off of the first two years from China as he was in office. But this is literally what they are trying to impeach Joe Biden and his son for now. And not even Joe Biden. It's his son made money. How? 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 The, the math doesn't math. It's not adding up. You know, you see all these TikTok trends talking about girl math and cousin math. Let's talk about MAGA math. MAGA math is people die, police officers get beat up, but it's okay because I'm a white person of means that stormed the Capitol. Yeah. Versus it was a peaceful protest and Black Lives Matter across the mall and they are the problem and I need to show up with my Bible. It doesn't work. The math does not match. All right, uh, you give me. I, I'm going to come back to the slavery thing because I, I do not want to let that go. Uh, but I, I want to stick with the Trump and the Fourteenth Amendment. So this, 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 this obviously puts the Supremes in a very delicate position because I think we'll all agree that if you just read the the law, he's gone. He cannot be on the ballot. Uh, and these are supposedly textualists, these judges, these MAGA judges that are in the Supreme Court. So if they're going to live by uh, what they practice, if they're going to follow their preaching, they will remove from the ballot. But I personally, Candace, do not believe they will do it for a number of reasons. At the top of the list is they're probably scared. And this gets ties the two points together. I have never seen a political movement that is so mo more open about its threats of retribution to people who disagree with them. You know, here in Chicago, we talk about rough and tumble politics. Well, it's like Anthony Beale complaining that his opposition stole signs, or maybe someone put a rock through someone's window. That's like the extreme case of it. MAGA is like threatening lives. MAGA, 
MAGA just makes threatens family. We know where you live. Phone calls in the middle of the night. I do believe there's intimidation. The Secretary of State in Maine who ruled against Trump on ballot access issues, she's getting threats, physical threats of intimidation, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, the judges in Colorado, they're getting threats. I believe that at the bottom of their mind, back of their mind, there's some Supreme Court justices probably afraid as well. Because like you just pointed out, MAGA didn't like the last election. They stormed the Capitol. Do you believe that this is intimidation going on right now in our uh, justice system? I would love to say I just think Supreme Court justices are scared. But unfortunately, I think we have Supreme Court justices that are complicit. What do you mean? Take that further. Naming especially Clarence Thomas and his wife who have who should recuse himself from anything that has to do with Trump. Forget that his politics are trash. Let's forget that for a second. His wife literally was helping to plan some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Literally was in on the stolen election. Don't tread on me. That came from her org or whatever org she was working with at the time. So Clarence Thomas is literally... Yeah. complicit yes that puts them in a trick bag sure but that's a job, job they signed up for but let's not let's not act like any of this is new america is a violent country full stop we have perpetuated violence this whole time the judges um when a brown v board was passed yes they got death threats after that they, what this death threat, this culture is not anything new. It's more publicized. More people can get to it because of the internet. But let's not act like it wasn't happening. What yeah. do they call it? Uh, you To be in these positions, you have to be a courageous person. You have to be a courageous person. And the justices have to be courageous, literally, in their decision. Not just strict constructionists, right? But courageous in their decision. And all of us know being courageous in their decision means he shouldn't be on the ballot. Now, I have mixed feelings on whether I want him on the ballot or not. Do I want him to win? Absolutely not. Do I want him on the ballot? Maybe. All right, so now we're in the realm of politics. Uh, and, and so I'll go here, but I just want to make it very clear before uh, I ask Candace to uh, take a deeper dive into what she just said. I want to point out there are two issues here. There's a political issue. What's the best situation for the Democrats uh, to have Donald Trump on the ballot or not have him on the ballot? And then there's a constitutional issue, whether he qualifies to be in the ballot. We all know he doesn't qualify. Even MAGA, if no one's around, can see to itself, unless they're totally brainwashed, that he doesn't belong in the ballot. All right. Most Everyone of them are totally brainwashed. Yeah. They're, okay. So they're brainwashed. They, those five, at least five judges, justices on that bench who know he's not qualified. Now they may come up with some weaselly wiggle room, lawyerly like BS uh, ruling that allow, enables them to be on the ballot either because they're they're they despise liberals or like Clarence Thomas, uh, or they love Trump, Clarence Thomas, uh, or they are afraid of the mob which I still think is a very a possible factor. Brett so Kavanaugh, Clarence Thomas, 
Neil Gorsuch, yes, they are afraid of the mob. All right. Uh, so that said, okay, so, but now the political issue. Why did you say, from a political standpoint, uh, you might want him on the ballot? Oh, just the optics of let's do a Nikki Haley running against a Joe Biden, it becomes very inconvenient. This this old guy thing they do with Biden is funny to me because Biden and Trump are three years apart. Yeah, hilarious. L- literally, literally three years apart. Meanwhile, Joe Biden has kids Nikki Haley's age, and there's definitely a generation difference. Now, politically, politically, Nikki Haley is probably has the same politics as Joe Biden's grandfather. However, however, in the age realm, when you compare the two, it optically, it looks real different. It looks different. It feels different. I was going like, oh, that's a younger woman and blah. It, it feels different. Nobody wants to run against her in this realm with him as the candidate. I'm not saying policy-wise, he has it by a long shot for working people, for Black people, for Latino folks, just go on down the line. But um, visually, we don't want that fight. So, uh, in other words, you think that Donald Trump is easier to beat than Nikki Haley? Yeah. And uh, you're presuming that if Donald Trump is bounced on the ballot, Nikki Haley would be the nominee? Nope. Who knows is going to be? Look. The last person I want to be the nominee is Vivek Ramaswamy, which MAGA sees as an alternate to Trump, which is absolutely insane. And one day, Ben, we have to have a conversation about brown people who say more racist things than white people and why that is seriously problematic. Let's have the conversation right now. Nikki Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy say just and have from integration to affirmative action to voting rights, all of that type of stuff, says some of the worst things. Even Joe Biden, right, at his big old age, right, came at Nikki Haley and said the Civil War was about slavery, full stop, on the Twitter machine or the X or whatever the kids are calling it nowadays, right? Yeah. Even he said that. And she still says, well, there's a lot of other factors. But this isn't new. She said this in interviews going back 15 years. So that's one. The the Confederate flag at the South Carolina State Capitol. She loves to give herself all the credit for that when it was literally a black woman who climbed this flagpole and took a down. I think her name was Brick. But we we talk about those things, right? She can hug a preacher. But her policies in South Carolina made sure that black and brown children did not get health care. You know, and I'm going to say something right here. This is something I've noticed for all my years of living. And uh, so people come to this country from all over the world for many different reasons. Uh, economic opportunities, uh, victims of political persecution, religious persecution, et cetera, and so forth. They come to this country, and so many of them 
one of the first things they do, they adopt the attitudes that white Americans have toward black people. I have noticed this my whole life. This is me speaking, not Candace. I have noticed this with Hispanics. I've noticed this with Asians. I've noticed this with white uh, European immigrants. You're not in this country. <laughs> You're not in this country a year. And you already got an attitude toward black people. And but let's I have, take it a step further, Ben. Black people in America do the same thing. Clarence Thomas feels that his proximity to whiteness should keep him from being black. And we see it with black men in the Republican Party all the time. We even see it in how some black men talk about the LBGTQIA community, other black women, how we are not seeing black men in mass run to the defense of a Claudine Gay. Why? Because, again, it's proximity to white men that they feel like they have some power. All right, so we'll get into this. I don't know if you remember this. One time back in the day when I had uh, my show was in a studio. Uh, it was it was before before COVID kicked me out of the studio, and we were sitting around. And you probably don't remember this, but it was a great conversation. Of course, so many great conversations with Candace because are off the mic, uh, and uh, we were talking about um, the election uh, in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gubernatorial election of 2018, man, we are a couple political geeks. Uh, and there was somebody else in that room too, who, uh, who I will not mention, but anyway, uh, we were having a conversation, uh, and, um, uh, I'm just blanking on the name who, who ran for governor in, uh, Kemp, Brian Kemp, uh, was running for governor and he was elected. Uh, and you were, we were, we had this discussion debate that black men, were more likely to vote for Brian. Do you remember this conversation? Do you remember this? And I was like, no way. It's not true. It's not going to happen. Do you think you were vindicated in that conversation? Do you think more black men did vote than black women uh, for Brian Kemp in the Georgia race? So overall in that race, because of conversations that are coming up now, I went back and looked. Overall, black men voted for Stacey Abrams, right? But the percentage of Black men who voted for Brian Kemp was far outweighed the percentage of of Black women that voted. If you look at Biden-Trump, the percentage of Black men that voted for Trump, Black men overwhelmingly voted for Biden. But the percentage of black men that voted for Trump the second time actually went up. And Trump win, loses, make the ballot, fine. The percentage of black men who are going to vote for Trump this time will be even higher. But that's the fault of the Democratic Party. Explain that. And we can talk about how it's the fault of the left in general if we're talking about Chicago. There, Black people in America have been clamoring for a plan for Black people that are born in America, period. And with that plan not being assembled, with voices not being heard, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And the Black vote in America is taken for granted. So is the Latino vote. 
on the Democrat side is taken for granted. We just need to get a rapper or an actor out there because, you know, they ain't got no agenda. So we just need to get a rapper or actor out there. And of course, they're going to vote for us. When I will argue that the Democratic Party, there's a lot of people who have no clue what the Democratic Party stands for. I had an argument the other day that Trump and Biden have done the same thing. Actually, no, they haven't. Actually, Trump ain't do much of nothing. And Biden's done a whole lot of something, right? Even on things that failed because of the Congress. But we're too busy paying attention to the shiny light because the first thing Trump will tell you is I've given more money to two HBCUs than any other president. And that's a lie on his face. But it's hard to back up. And remember, you have people across the political spectrum that says, hey, there needs to be a plan for Black people, even on a local level. There are people who are asking for an office of Black American citizens in the mayor's office. And for some reason, well, why would they do that? That's such a far-fetched idea. Is it? 589 people got killed in the city of Chicago last year. 340 of them were Black men. Is that a far-fetched idea? I don't think it's a far-fetched idea. I'm not sold on it. I just don't think it's far-fetched. We have to stop taking Black and Brown voters for granted. Mm -hmm. I think as a whole, Black women see a bigger picture. We see a bigger picture. Black women are marginalized differently. We're marginalized for our race, but we're also marginalized for our sex. So we see it differently. However, white women voted for Trump at 53%. Wow. Um, all right, lots to unpack there. Uh, and uh, I still haven't uh, asked my slavery question, but now I kind of want to unpack this uh, issue about uh, the attitude toward black women, uh, which... Uh, I've been I've been really thinking about a lot lately, locally and nationally. Uh, and uh, but let's just before we get to that, the slavery thing, I, I cannot let that uh, pass. Uh, and I do believe that what MAGA is trying to do uh, across the board is to push the center of the conversation to the right. They do that on all issues, absolutely every issue they can. Uh, and they've been pretty successful to a certain degree. Uh, they pushed the conversation to the right on abortion. Now there's a, a, push, a push back, so that could hurt them. On uh, climate change, they pushed it uh, uh, to the right on climate change so that the, the Republican Party right now, official position apparently is that it's a hoax and we don't have to do anything for the environment. And in fact, we should encourage policies that continue the destruction of the environment, pipelines, et cetera, and so forth. And the more we sign on to policies that contribute to the destruction of the pipe, uh, the environment, the better off we are as a people because we're standing up to the woke mob. That's an utterly insane position, but that's what they're taking and they're winning with it. They're doing it with history as well. And the official position of the Republican Party at the moment, which is really bizarre because it was the Republican Party that was the union, Abraham Lincoln, remember him? The official position more or less of the Republican Party is that slavery was not the issue driving the South to leave the union. 
that the Confederacy did not emerge over the issue of white people wanting to keep black people enslaved, that the Confederacy did not emerge over the issue of whether free states, new states coming into the Union would be free or slave states. These were the issues <laughs> that drove the South to leave the Union. And yet the Republican Party's official position, more or less, is that it was a larger issue of a fight for liberty and freedom, which is bizarre because the slaves weren't didn't have any liberty. You would think the party of liberty would care about the liberty of the people who were enslaved, but apparently they don't see black people as people. So their official position, Candace, is that the war, the Confederacy, was all about state rights and was all about people standing up for their cultural belief, their love for their southern state and their hatred of dictators tell them what to do and they kind of link that to the fight against fauci and uh, covid shots i'm just telling you what's in the mind of maga just listen to aaron Rodgers someday just listen to joe rogan someday okay and so you, you're absolutely right and you, so Nikki Haley you, can't even say that slavery caused the civil war she's so afraid of that mob go ahead because if she says that slavery started the civil war then maybe a kid wants to see that in a history book one day but they want to take that out and they want to do the you know thomas jefferson's happy slaves baked him a birthday cake storybooks for our kids in school and i wish i wish i was being hyperbolic and i'm not the whole thing of nikki haley saying Oh, it's a war between the states. It was about our rights and culture and freedom. That's the story that they want to paint to our children in history books. And then say, people couldn't ride the bus and say, Rosa Parks sat down, she got up. Slavery was beneficial for a lot of those people anyway. She sat down, she got up. Then there was a guy named Martin Luther King. He got killed and he wanted everybody to be equal and all our kids to play together. Everything is great. Oh, and then, you know, people was mad about George Floyd, and yeah. That's the version of history that states like South Carolina are pushing that rhetoric. Like the anti-woke person himself, Ron DeSantis, which, let's pause for a second. When people say anti-woke, that means you want us to go through life sleep. <laughs> yeah. And just believe anything like I don't I don't understand that. But that's the rhetoric he pushes more than anything. Some slave some people benefited from slavery. Or Vivek Ramaswamy, his ancestors just were harder workers. Yeah, no. You have to Put it all together. The most important legislation that we passed in the state of Illinois last year was our Secretary of State. Shout out to Alexi. He did give me the funniest moment right before the new year, reading all the license plate names that were rejected coming into 2024. But the most important legislation that we passed was banning book banning. Illinois banned banning books. People will lose funding. School districts will lose funding for banning books. We are actually teaching our children accurate history. 
as flawed as school history is, I've been fighting against the Columbus Day assignment since my kid was five. As flawed as those lessons are is more accurate than the history that Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, Donald Trump, and the rest of MAGA Republicans want to teach our kids. And honestly, that is the most dangerous thing. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, uh, yeah, that is, it's a really uh, dangerous rewrite of history. You're absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, and shout out to Illinois for that, uh, for the ban, banning the banning of books. Uh, and but uh, if you want to see how far it can go uh, in a MAGA state, just see some of the garbage that uh, is being proposed for the, the school systems of Florida regarding Frederick Douglass. And we don't have to look that far. <laughs> like there's real um, um, Moms for Liberty or oh. that group. Like, let's not act like they're not in the suburbs of Chicago. That's true. Pushing some of the same rhetoric that they do down there. And sometimes it's working. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Like I said, that's what that's what the Republican Party stands for right now, uh, Candace. And they're trying to make that rightward push. Uh, and I do believe they're being met with uh, resistance on that front. I do believe that, at least in states. Like you say, yes, they've had some uh, victories uh, in suburban school systems. But in the last election, more often than not, uh, they were defeated. So I got to give the suburban uh, voters credit on that front. I know the bar is low, but still, you got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, and they took a stand against a lot of these, uh, a lot of this madness. All right. Uh, now let's talk about what is uh, the scapegoating of black women. And uh, I mean, this has been happening. This has been pretty obvious to me uh, for a while. And uh, I know you've mentioned this before when you come on the show. Uh, Donald Trump targeted black women throughout the 2016 uh, election, throughout his presidency. uh, And MAGA is continuing it. And we just saw it on full display. Uh, with uh, President Claudine Gay, former, I should say, a former president, uh, Claudine Gay, who was driven from her post at Harvard. She had to step down. We talked about this yesterday with Monroe Anders and everybody else. Urged to check to listen to that conversation as well. Uh, and she wrote an essay uh, in uh, the New York Times about what happened to her, which I urge everybody to read. What happened at, at Harvard is bigger than me. And this is one of the uh, uh, the points of the essay. Uh, first, she defended herself uh, on the charges of plagiarism. Uh, and then she once again uh, apologized for her testimony, uh, the gotcha testimony for, uh, regarding um, uh, alleged actions of genocide against Jewish people, whether it would violate the Harvard School Code. Uh, but then she went on to say uh, that, uh, here, let me get the tale. It is, uh, it's not lost to me that I made an ideal canvas for projecting every anxiety about the generational and demographic changes unfolding on American campuses. A black woman select, selected to lead a storied institution, someone who views diversity as a source of institutional strength and dynamism, someone who advanced a modern curriculum that spans from the frontier of quantum science to the long neglected history of Asian Americans, someone who believes that as a daughter of Haitian Americans has something to offer to the nation's oldest university. Absolutely. I do believe that she was a convenient target for MAGA uh, and because they were taking advantage of 
just like I'll just boil it down to an attitude that so many people have about black women. A hatred, I would say, goes so far as saying. Uh, and I've seen it across the board in many instances, um, including on my beloved left. So that's me on this uh, topic. Uh, the floor is yours, Candace, to say what you want. Go. I agree with Tamika Mallory. Y'all need to go out and burn your trust black women shirts. You only want to do it when it's convenient. It is not black women are not here for the convenience of everyone else. And it's a through line of how black women are treated in professional spaces through from academia to basic here. Fine. Let's talk about it. We want to pay, talk about pay disparities. Black, yes. What is it? Women make 77 cents for every dollar a white man makes. Black women make 66 cents. Latino women make 56 cents. Not, not to mention Native American women who make even less than that. Even in those spaces, we make less. We are criticized higher. Y'all, I mean, it was ancient history. It might have even had a 19 in front of it, but much to do about a hairdo. It's still a thing when a black woman who was a congresswoman got stopped at the Capitol and searched because she changed her hairstyle, even though she had her congressional pen. Stop and search because they didn't know her because she changed her hairstyle. Or the fact that the Crown Act is something that we still have to get passed that mostly affects Black women. Or even our qualifications have to be two to three times as better. And I think most Black women are raised in this society with the idea that you have to be two to three times as better as a Black woman, as a white man. No, you can't. You, you get pregnant? Well, no because that's going to disqualify you from everything you're supposed to achieve. Oh, you got a C in a class you were struggling in. Well, huh? there goes all your scholarships because you're not good enough. So we have to sing in the choir. We have to get straight A's. We have to play a sport. We have to do everything because every little thing we do when we get to certain levels is under a microscope. And I bet you people who are at higher levels than me, Erica Bland, the EVP of SEIU Healthcare, April Verrett, the uh, national, she's at the IU at SEIU. She's a vice president, but she started right here in Chicago. Uh, Stacey Davis-Gates, all of them will tell you the same thing. They are under microscopes. And even if we look at uh, City Hall, how they look at Jeanette Taylor and how they look at Sam Nugent is two very different things. What do you mean by that? How they look at Stephanie Coleman. Oh, she's a lot. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. Will Hall does not get the same amount of criticism that Stephanie Coleman does. For anything. Now, their politics are different, but she'll, but he will never get the same amount of the criticism. All uh, right, just to annotate a little bit, Will Hall is the alderman of the 6th Ward. Uh, Sam Nugent is the alderwoman of the 39th Ward. 
no, by the way, no cheat sheet in front of me, uh, Candace. Camille, <laughs> and, and Jeanette Taylor does not need any introduction to anybody who listens to my show. A dear friend of my show, uh, the older woman of the 20th Ward. Uh, she came on my show, said a few things, got a lot of lefties, a lot of people mad at her. I love you, Jeanette Taylor. You're always welcome back on my show. I don't care what anybody says. There. I said and it. Stephanie Coleman is the head of the Chicago Black Aldermanic Caucus and the 16th War Alderman. That is correct. You're not, they don't get the same amount of criticism. They don't get the same, but they also don't get the same grace. Black women are not allowed to have an off day or, or make anyone feel bad. Because as soon as we do, we get two to three to four five times as much persecution. Not only do we get it from other black women, we get it from black men, we get it from white men, we get it from white women. We get it we get it 360. No. Okay. So the I'm, I'm going to go back in history for a moment and talk about the previous mayor of the city of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. Mm-hmm. I, I have a smiles already emerging. Lori Lightfoot was tough, mean, and nasty. Okay, and she threw a counter punch, and sometimes you threw the punch before you punched her. That's who she was. I don't like it. I don't deal, Candace, well with mean or nasty people in my life. I just don't deal well with it. But I gotta point out, we, Rahm Emanuel, his entire reputation was based on being mean and nasty. That's who he was. That's that's like the, the whole thing with the fish he sent somebody. Remember the dead fish? The dead I'm a fish meat. wrapped in newspaper? Yeah. And the city of Chicago, they voted for him twelve. They couldn't wait. They voted for him twice. Close all the schools. They still voted for him. City of Chicago. I never once, I never remember recall the, the Tribune or the Sun-Times editorializing, oh, Rom's just too mean and nasty. They let him get away with putting that sweater on in the re-election. Remember that campaign commercial? He put the sweater on. I know I'm a little rough around the edges, but I'm going to put the sweater on and the voters of Chicago will look bright. I'll vote for him. And so I just think there was a complete double standard when it came to doing mean and nasty daily and rom versus mean and nasty Lori Lightfoot. Even some of the lefties would say, well, Ben, you got to understand. <laughs> Lefty's trying to explain to me, like Ron was a better politician than Lori. I'm like, no, you have a double standard. You can't even look in the mirror on this one. Go ahead. Ben, Ben, though, okay. Ron was a better politician than Lori, but I'll be the first to say that some of the criticism Lori got for being a gay black woman was based on her being a gay black woman and wasn't based on her politics. Do I believe in Lori's politics? No. Was I done with Lori Lightfoot when she jumped in Jeanette Taylor's face? Absolutely. But I also am not just jumping in Jeanette Taylor's face. You have to remember the context of what that conversation was about. It was about standing up for other Black women and and Jeanette Young. So So I'm not saying that Black women themselves can't be mean and nasty. Not not saying that at all. But when we are, there is a particular type of criticism that we get from men and that we get from the right. 
You want us to be political leaders, but you want us to be quaint and docile. Those two things don't go together. Yeah. By the way, I'll push back with y'all that argument any day. Was is Rom was Rom a better politician than Lori Lightfoot? That would have to, to get us to define what we need mean by a better politician. I feel Rom had advantages that Lori Lightfoot didn't. Number one of which Barack Obama was in his corner. Barack Obama made Rahm Emanuel. People forget that. Rahm Emanuel, Michelle Obama kicked Rahm out of the White House. That's that's known. She couldn't take another day of it. Who can blame her? The guy is mean and nasty. Okay? She kicked him out of the White House. Barack Obama didn't know what to do. So he said, I got to get him out of the White House. I know what I'll do. I'll dump him on the people of the city of Chicago and endorse him. And it worked. He got him out of the White House. Somebody's <laughs> in Chicago voted for him. And what did he do? He closed the mental health clinics. There, that's payback. And closed the schools. And closed and, the school. And like, sold and helped sell off other assets yeah. of the city. And every step of the way, the Sun Times and the Tribune were kissing his booty, and the Cranes and all the rest of them. Oh, what a leader Rom is! Oh, he's bringing businesses to the city of Chicago. Oh, he's firm and decisive, and he stands up for what the city. That kind of press, Lori Lightfoot never got. So that's the Lori Lightfoot also never got because Lori Lightfoot was very quick to kick reporters out. Well, and did yeah. not have good relationships and did not have a great communications office. Like those things are needed. Those <laughs> things are needed. Ron had the privilege yes. of working in the White House and understanding what a presidential spin room is. Yes. Period. No, you you, you know what. You nailed me on that one. You're absolutely correct. I must concede that you make a good point there because Ron was brilliant at cultivating reporters. He'd call them up. Hey, let's have an off the record. You know what I'm saying? They go out for a drink. And then after that, the reporter was putty in his hands. <laughs> All you got to do if you want to win over a reporter, take them out, give them a free drink. Man, I keep... <laughs> Reporters love free drinks. Go ahead, Candace. And I gotta say, I've met Rom a couple of times. I've had the privilege of meeting Rom a couple of times. I met Lori more than a couple. Rom was always nice when I met him. And that sounds crazy, right? Just like Chewy. I've been around Chewy million times. Met Chewy. Chewy's always nice. Even when he's upset. Still a nice person. I can't always say the same about Lori. That says a lot about a person's character and whether they're cut out for it or not. And this is not so much a slight on Lori, but it's also maybe they were differently groomed for the position because Ron was a politician. Well, uh, all right, and now Lori I'll make you... Not. Now that you got me thinking about this, uh, I, I'm, I'm you're successfully doing get me to rethink my position. Okay, you know you can't can't carve it in stone. So uh, I do not believe like Lori Lightfoot made. I told you this. I say this all the time. Biggest mistake Lori Lightfoot made was needlessly uh, aggravating her relationship with Willie Wilson. I stand that I I believe that if she had wooed Willie Wilson. Uh, brought him into her team, she would be mayor today. I believe that. That's what I believe. Uh, and uh, she lost that primary and if, it, to a large degree because Willie Wilson was running and took, what did he take, 10% of the vote? I can't remember, uh, Candace. You know these numbers better. Last right. time he took, I mean, he took less of the vote this time than he did previously. I, I think that's a lot to unpack about Willie Wilson. I respect Dr. Willie Wilson. 
uh, bringing him into the administration, it would be interesting. But her having public fights with Willie Wilson also did not help. Yeah, it didn't help. And it pretty much convinced him to run again. And I mean, like, well, no, Willie Wilson was going to run again because of Willie Wilson. But Wait, do you believe if she brought him in the administration, he would have run against her? Yeah. Well, we disagree on that one. That's for certain. And furthermore, I'll go one step further. And this Delmarie Cobbs got out. Had Lori Lightfoot put Anthony, given Anthony Beal a committee chair, and she she would have uh, not had opposition from him for four years. So that's an instance, I believe, that affirms your point about Ron being a more astute politician. I think Ron would have known uh, to give Anthony Beal. I can't imagine he'd be revolting against Ron, but he did give him a committee position. So do you follow what I'm saying? So it's interesting. I won't go into specifics, but I actually had that conversation with Alderman Bill. And what I will tell you is I think it's bigger than just a committee position. But I think again, it it does take some political talent and political know-how to cultivate personal relationships, to be able to say, politically, I don't like anything you do. But personally, we talk about baseball every week. People who can build those relationships, it's different. It's different. And city council makes strange bedfellows. They do. Just on the things that people have in common. Sam Nugent and Jeanette Taylor might talk to each other about kids because they're moms and they may be talking about that type of stuff, right? So you work with these people every day. You build relationships. Y'all sit on committees together. And sometimes strange bedfellows are made, but then sometimes it's just human connection and human touch that make people real. No, that's a very valid point. And I'll point out... uh... Uh, one of the weirdest, strangest votes I saw was uh, Alderman Bill Conway uh, voted against the censorship of uh, of, of uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa. And I just didn't understand it. And I thought, you know, thought about it, a few conversations, and I realized, well, uh, Conway, who is uh, a base, uh, at best a centrist Democrat, uh, is the 34th Ward Alderman. Uh, and Carlos Ramirez Rosa, who is a Democratic Socialist, is the 35th Ward Alderman. They sit next to each other in the city council, and they're like seatmates. You know, locker partners. Back in the day at Evanston High School, we had locker partners, okay? Uh, and I think that has a lot to do with it. He's sitting next to the guy. He, you know, you're going to vote against him, and then you got to sit next to him. So well, he goes deeper than that on some things. Look at he has a great relationship with his state senator. Not because they politically agree on anything. Senator Lakeisha Collins is the is the state senator in his area. Not because they politically agree. It's hey, Alderman, this is what I'm working on. This is well, let's work on that together. They may not politically agree on much. They may not, but the things you can work on are the things you can work on together. The things you can't work on together, you can't work on them together. And knowing the difference between the two makes you a stronger elected official. Yeah, fair enough. And I think, and being able to navigate that and learn that lesson, which I think Senator Collins has, 
being able to navigate a relationship like that is what makes somebody and it's not just the seatmate stuff it's all right i don't agree with what you said about homeless people under the bridge alderman conway but can we talk about how we get more money for treatment centers for drug addicted homeless people oh man you know what yeah i'll be willing to work on that i still want them from under the bridge in my neighborhood and i get you don't agree with me but let's figure out how to get more money for drug treatment centers Let's see how to get more warming shelters. Let's see how to get work on the things you can work on and the things you can't, you can't. Oh, that is a valid point. Now, speaking of which, uh, let's let's have you put on your political strategist hat nope. uh, and, and your political prognostic, prognostication hat. So I was having a conversation uh, with a, a very astute political observer of Chicago politics not too long ago. And I said, you know, MAG is getting ready, uh, or the uh, the center right movement, if you will, is getting ready to run Paul Vallis again. I see, it. I see it coming. I see Vallis gearing up for that 2027 rerun against uh, uh, Brandon Johnson. And this very astute political observer said to me, Ben, you're wrong. It's not going to be Vallis that are going to run against uh, Brandon. It'll be Alderman Bill. Conway of the 34th Ward, who, by the way, just to remind uh, listeners, was a candidate in the Democratic primary of, what was it, 2020? Wow, damn, time flies against Kim Fox. When people are trying to use Smollettgate against Kim Fox uh, and defeat her uh, in 2020, did not work. She was victorious. Um, So uh, your thoughts, uh, Bill Conway, would he be the candidate for center-right or will be Paul Vallis? Go ahead. Um, I agree with that person. I have a hard time seeing it being Paul Vallis just because of age and I work. So full disclosure, I was, uh, Mayor Johnson's political director on the campaign. Vallis's track record is very easy to fight against. Because you have a certain group of people who grew up in Chicago that are around my age that remembers when Paul Vallis was the head of the schools. So I am 41 years old. Voters my age and older that are from Chicago very much so remember Paul Vallis. And across the board, black, white, and in between, nobody has good memories of Paul Vallis being in charge of the schools. (laughs) So it makes it easier to run against versus you have a mayor brandon johnson now who's 47 years old by the time he'll run for re-election he'll be 51 which maybe is my old age that is saying this but it's still relatively young paul vallis is easily 70 if not older And, and just like you don't want nikki haley and joe biden you don't want brandon johnson and paul vallis so could I see a Conway or someone else running? Um, sure. I could see it. Yeah. Or someone younger running? Sure. Could I see them putting up a white woman candidate? Sure. Could I see them trying to put up a black opposition or a Latino, more conservative opposition candidate? Absolutely. Uh, but I can yeah. definitely see Conway. It's It's been said that he wants a bigger office anyway. 
And he shifted from further right when he ran against Kim Fox to being more toward the center, not completely not right, but more toward the center in his automatic run. So I can see it. Sure. He's yeah. going to bring a lot of money. So I can definitely see it. Yeah. yeah I, uh, I just had a small. Everybody's younger than me. <laughs> 47-year-old mayor. Oh, he's a baby as far as I'm concerned. And Candace at 41. Oh, my God. That was so long ago in my life. You are a baby, too. Uh, well, I'm a baby. And Brandon, Mayor Johnson is, like, young for a major city mayor. He yeah. is. And I, I think people forget that. But he is. Like, Lori yeah, yeah. had a daughter. Mayor Lightfoot had a daughter who was still a school age person but i think she was like in middle school mm. when uh mayor life got elected mayor johnson has kids that like are young yeah his oldest son is in high school but his youngest is still very much so in the, it's two younger are very much so still in elementary school well, so i mean yeah i want to say um that daily and uh, this is way before your time. When he was first elected mayor of the city of Chicago, he was about 47. I'm looking it up right now uh, just so I can be sure. Yes, Mayor Daly was born in 1942. So Mayor Daly was 47 years old when he was elected mayor in 1989 when the citizens of the city of Chicago decided to elect him over Eugene Sawyer. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so Mayor, it's not wild to think of that. Mayor Daly was once Brandon Johnson's contemporary, if you will. Uh, and he had younger kids too, uh, so yeah. Um, but we got we got used to obviously with Mayor Daly being in office for so long, older mayors, uh, and then the attitude became, well, you have to be an older, wiser person to be in office for a while. That was uh, the reason. Um, yeah, but I want to say Rom's kids were in high school. His kids were in high school. Rom isn't as old as people thought he was. Okay, so I'm doing this from memory. When Rom was first elected. His kids were not in high school. Uh, when Rom was first elected, Rom was elected in 2011. Let's just pause and think about that. That was already 13 years ago, Candace. You were you were really a baby then, and okay. Well, my baby that is now in junior high was just born when Rom was elected. Uh, I think Rom had kids. Um, I believe Rob's kids were in grammar school when he was first elected mayor, but uh, that's uh, uh, whatever. Anyway, your point's well taken. Uh, all right. Uh, so you made your prediction. Now let's just close with a little um, Madigan talk. Uh, Michael Joseph Madigan, former house speaker, uh, won a reprieve of sorts uh, when a, uh, a judge here in Chicago, a federal judge ruled uh, that his trial, his federal corruption trial, will have to wait uh, until after the Supremes weigh in uh, on uh, their um, a decision having to do with a Portage, Indiana mayor uh, who was uh, convicted on corruption charges. And uh, very interesting legal interpretation here. Uh, the appeal by the Portage mayor is that there is this distinction between just out-and-out bribery uh, and uh, like a gratuity. <laughs> wow, that is interesting distinction. Uh, you have to be King Solomon uh, to really see the distinction, uh, but the Supremes are going to hear it. 
uh, and they may rule in the favor of the Portage mayor, in which case I would undercut to a great degree the case being mounted by the feds against uh, Michael Joseph Madigan. Uh, and who knows what the implications will be. They may have to refile uh, their uh, indictment. They may drop the case completely if, if the ruling goes against them or if the ruling goes uh, against the Portage mayor, they'll continue. Uh, either way, the judge, I thought, wisely uh, decided that to, to hold off on a trial. And he pointed out the inconvenience it would be to everybody, including jurors, to sit through a trial only to have the Supremes throw out, you know. So I give the this judge credit wise ruling. You agree with me on this? I agree with you. I don't think the judge's ruling is wrong, but uh former Speaker Madigan has to be one of the luckiest persons <laughs> in politics ever. Like ever. Yeah. First of all, we're talking about somebody who was speaker for yeah. 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> we Literally, he created the job. He is the model of every speaker of the house around the nation. Hopefully, minus the bribery, right? Yeah. Or the gratuities. But like, I, I don't know how lucky you can get. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> that is so true. The luckiest. I used to say Danny Solis had more lives than a cat. Looks like Michael Joseph Madigan has more lives than Danny Solis. Uh, but, oh, you should have known that Michael Joseph Madigan had more lives than Danny Solis. Hey, Danny Solis, I mean, this is uh, one of my favorite topics. We're going to hold off on going to this tangent. Former Alderman 25th Ward Ward, the wire that brought down Ed Burke. He withstood uh, the cross-examination of Burke's lawyer. That guy, every time I think he is, his, it's just through and over with him. By the way, I will ask the answer to Candace. Uh, Candace, I'm going to make you answer the Danny Solis question, which guests get. You haven't gotten the Danny Solis question. So help me understand this. You're a lifelong Chicago, and you understand Chicago better than I do. Uh, I'm not from Chicago. I'm still trying to understand Chicago. So Ed Burke, uh, the most, uh, one of the, the most corrupt politicians uh, out of the city council, Mm -hmm. used his position of power and authority as finance chair to force uh, city contractors uh, to hire his property tax appeal business. Right. Uh, and uh, led, let's not forget this, youngsters, led the charge of uh, white racists against Harold Washington, greatest mayor of city Chicago ever had. Um, when he left the city council, the other alderman gave him a standing ovation. Standing O, Fred Burke. From the city council. Oh, yeah, Eddie, we love you. Now, Danny Solis, when the word broke that he wore the wire, which brought down Ed Burke, exposed corruption, made Chicago arguably a cleaner, more efficient city, could say he did a great service. The aldermen effectively booed him. They told the reporters, oh, my God, he's a rat. He's a snitch. I would never wear a wire. <laughs> Same aldermen who want people like in high crime areas to report on People who, oh, yeah, just go testify against that criminal out there who just killed somebody. Yeah, yeah, go do that. I'm not going to speak out against Danny Solis. I'm going to denounce Danny Solis because he spoke out against that Burke. But you go ahead, put your neck on the line, and go speak out against the criminal with the gun. So what is it about Chicago that they give Eddie Burke a standing ovation, the alderman, and they criticize Danny Solis? Go ahead, Candace. I 
I have no clue. And maybe that has to do with this topic we didn't get to and a former guest on your show because I am in the middle of reading Torture Machine by Flint Taylor. Mm -hmm. And it even talks about other things that uh, Ed Burke did and Dick Mel did. So I have a very, very, and not ancient history, what they did. We're not talking about Harold Washington. We're talking about what they did to cover up the bird scandal during daily. I don't understand why anybody would give him a, a standing ovation. What I will say is, if you had a question about procedure, and you call Ed Burke's office, he was always very kind when I worked for Alderman Taylor. His office was kind. That's about it. I don't I don't understand why if you want to call somebody a racist and a xenophobe, it is Ed Burke, period. So I don't understand why anybody would yeah. give Ed Burke a standing ovation. Yeah. I don't get it. And I'm from here, born here, raised here. Don't get it. <laughs> All right. Even a Chicagoan can't explain Chicago behavior. Uh, uh, all right, Candace, thank you so much. Uh, it reminds me of how you used to have a talk show. Uh, what? You still got, you huh? still got the gift. Yeah, yeah, I forget the name of the station. <laughs> uh, WC you later, Ben. Uh, and uh, it was, uh, and your guest, uh, your guest host, uh, your co-host was, is now the mayor of the city of Chicago. How about that? Uh, it's wild. I, I, some days I, like, okay, I just flew in. Uh, from visiting my kids in, in Cali and coming to O'Hare and I hear, hi, I'm Mayor Brandon Johnson. Welcome to the city of Chicago. Do you know we have many neighborhoods in the city of Chicago and great restaurants to eat? So going on, I'm like, being on a 5 a.m. flight, taking my kids to the airport for a 6 a.m. flight, it's 5 o'clock in the morning and that's the first thing I hear. Yeah. That was the weirdest i was like this is weird and i'm not awake enough to deal with that <laughs> yeah it's, i'm the same i catch that early morning flight too i mean i know what it's like to go to o'hare i i'm with you going to o'hare that's a whole other thing at uh four in the morning that's usually when i have to get in my wife and i and then you process through security and then right then you hear harold washington uh, Wash, brandon johnson's brandon. voice and i'm like this is surreal even the Great American Bagel store is not open yet, and I love that place. It can't go. I gotta go to Dunkin' Donuts to get my bagel, and I'm hearing "Welcome to Chicago." <laughs> weird. It is weird. weird, and uh, yes, Candace Castillo is partly responsible for that uh, as an ally of uh, Brandon's for all those years, and as political director of the campaign. So, uh, Candace, thank you so much. Got to do it more often. Uh, maybe book you once a month. Have you come on talk politics, especially this all important election year. Yep. We didn't really get into uh, the, the 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 presidential election, but there'll be plenty of time for that because it's going to be a very eventful, to put it mildly, uh, next 11 months. So bring you back uh, in February, all right? All right. I'll talk to you soon. All right. That's great. Candace Castillo. also want to thank producer Chris. He does an outstanding job. Hey, producer Chris, give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. And remember, you can always catch up on previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, read columns from Ben Jarofsky, and so much more, all at chicagoreader.com. Follow Ben on Instagram, at Benny J Show, and like and subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky Show on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.